play fake, a drop back, a fire for the end zone, and a catch for the score. Do they call it good? They do. Touchdown to Isaac Rexon. What a grab. Leaning back and hauling it in. A turn and a handoff. Katoa shoots a gap. There goes Lopini. 25-20, Touchdown. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel at BYU Football Media Day 2021. Presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Now, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, it is our number two, second hour of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel at BYU Football Media Day, looking ahead to the 2021 season, which opens on September 4th at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas against Arizona. Thanks for those who joined us in the first hour. BYU offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Aaron Roderick was with us. We had new BYU associate AD Gary Verone, along with kicker and punter Cash Peterman, talking about the Built for Life Foundation. We had all three quarterbacks in the mix to be starting quarterback for BYU, Jacob Conover, Jaron Hall, and Baylor Romney. And we concluded this first hour of the show by going to the defensive side of the ball and hearing from linebacker Peyton Wilgar and defensive lineman Uriah Leatawa. Coming up in this second hour of the show, we'll be speaking with BYU head coach Kalani Sitake, along with uh, coaches Elisa Tuiaki and Ed Lamb. Fessy Sitaki, Lopini Katoa, Tyler Algier, Neil Pau, James Empey, and Clark Barrington also scheduled to be part of our number two on Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel. We're at BYU Football Media Day 2021, coming your way from Studio 3 here at BYU Radio inside the BYU Broadcasting Building. I mentioned the season kicking off September 4th against Arizona in Las Vegas. We haven't really uh, lined up the schedule for you in 2021. So before our first coaching guests come in here in the second hour, let's get that to you right now. So BYU and Arizona, September 4th in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. I think they said this morning already 47,000 tickets have been sold for that game. It's going to be a tremendous affair. Uh, post-pandemic atmosphere in Las Vegas. It won't be necessarily a full house. Could be close, but a ton of BYU fans in the building down in Las Vegas. September 11th is the home opener for BYU, starting a stretch of games in the state of Utah. It'll be five straight games in the Beehive State for BYU. September 11th, a Saturday, home to Utah in the Cougs season opener. The next Saturday, also Lavelle Edwards Stadium, September 18th against Arizona State. So three consecutive Pac-12s to open the year for BYU, Arizona, Utah, and ASU. On September 25th, a fourth consecutive Saturday for BYU, South Florida. That'll be at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And then a a fourth straight game in the state of Utah at Maverick Stadium in Logan, BYU and Utah State on October 1st. October 9th, by the way, that October 1st game is a Friday. Then October 9th, Saturday, Boise State at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Five straight games in Utah, and there they are. October 16th at Baylor. October 23rd, home to, uh, rather, at Washington State. October 30th, home to Virginia. Bronco is back November 6th. Idaho State in Provo, November 20th after a bye. Georgia Southern in Georgia. Then the closer at the Coliseum, BYU and USC. USC announcing yesterday that the stadium will be at full capacity in 2021. That is good to hear. We kick off hour number two here on Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel, bringing in special teams coordinator, safeties coach, and associate head coach, Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb, good to have you in. Great to be here. Thanks, Greg. So normally it's a coordinator's corner situation uh, for, for Coach Lamb and myself, but we're getting the offseason underway here at Media Day. And, Coach, you've been a busy coach around the tables today. How many interviews have you done today, do you think? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I think this is number five, maybe six. Yeah. Well, camp, no, you know, it's much more than that. We did some print interviews where reporters were just stopping by. Yeah, it's it's got to be in the dozens. But okay, well, hopefully you've saved at least a little bit of breath for me here today. I do appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, are camps going on at the same time right now? Uh, no, we just we just finished up our our camps, um, but it's it still is camp season. So one of the things that we try to do, uh, the NCAA gives us a certain number of camp dates where we can participate in a camp, not just on our own campus, but other camps. And so we're quite a few of our coaches will be going to uh, the Weber State uh, camp this evening and watching some of those players and trying to be a presence and uh, help out the other schools and, and help ourselves to evaluate a few more kids. How close to normal is the off season right now with coming out of the pandemic? I mean, it, does it feel, whether it's recruiting camps, et cetera, does it feel like almost a normal summer has underway for you or not quite yet? Oh, it, it really has. Yeah. I think, you know, with in the building and on our practice field, as you can imagine, you know these our guys, guys the age of our players and even a lot of our coaches. It's like we don't have concerns personally about viruses and COVIDs and stuff like that. And and uh, 
but the guys have been jumping through hoops and the coaching staff jumping through hoops for what's best for the community and and best according to the latest medical advice, et cetera. And and, uh, to be able to kind of have a few less hoops to jump through right now has been really encouraging and a lot of fun. When you look back to last summer and realize the way you started doing things or had to do things on the field with masks and face masks and testing. So to get through what you did, to get 12 games in, to get 11 wins, I mean, do you sometimes look back at the? I mean, not not that it was a dream, but the things you had to do to play a season and make it a great season. It was pretty remarkable. It was remarkable, and really, I think, and I've heard this from from fans too, but uh, a bright spot, you know, to think back on some of the things that we were doing. We were car- we were literally carrying bottles of bleach and and spraying uh, equipment and and desktops and things that we were we were touching. And and I guess in hindsight now, you know, that that was maybe some overkill as far as the advice and the execution of it. But it's um, it was it was what we needed to do, and the, and of course the distraction from all that is the fact that we were able to compete and do the thing that we love to do and, and provide that experience for the players. Credit the administration for just just hammering through and, and pushing and pushing and pushing to do a great service for these kids. And, and uh, I, I think, you know, to have football being one more thing that would could have potentially been taken away would have been just, you know, just kind of another unintended consequence of all these safety measures. Leaving the COVID logistics aside, um are, are there things that you're going to take from last season that you will carry forward in your coaching career that will actually help teams down the line of things you learned about the capacity of student-athletes or players or a team in a, in a season like last season? Yeah, uh, probably there's, there's certainly some things that are, that are in the notebook. Um, you know, the idea that uh, a, a certain number of practice minutes or practice reps is, uh, is, is entirely critical or whether, you know, one team coming off of a two-week layoff has an advantage or a disadvantage over a team maybe even playing on a short week. You know, we saw that several times, not just with ourselves, but just paying attention to what was going on around college football. I think like anything, there, there needs to be some confirmation of some of that, that data, more than just one year, more than just a, a one-off sample here and there. But uh, I think, you know, Kalani Satake is maybe the best in the business at – being open-minded and doing things his own way. And every year and every, it seems like every game that we win, every success that we have is he's even more emboldened to do things his way and often outside of the norm of what's going on in college football. And I think it was a real advantage for us last year to have him at the helm. As structured as things had to be in 2020, do you foresee 2021 being a liberating experience in a few ways? It already has been. Absolutely. Yeah. I've just you know, wherever you're falling on the political spectrum, we don't even need to get into that. But it's just been a challenge for everyone and in, uh, in, in every situation dealing with this. And uh, people have been isolated and, and uh, have struggled through this time. And just to see now to be to be getting into the light at the end of the tunnel, really, it's more than seeing it. We're feeling it on a daily basis now. Things are changing and um, such an such an encouraging thing for everyone. So whether it's light at the end of the tunnel or frying pan to fire, you take on a schedule this year that is as strenuous as any BYU has faced. And I'm sure, I'm sure in a lot of ways it's invigorating, but it's also incredibly challenging. Yeah. Um, how do you view the slate that is before you in, in 2021? Well, you you and I have been doing this now together a while, and, and uh, I know that partly you're, you're speaking to the fans, and certainly it is. It, for our fans, there are some teams on there that when you read the name – it's exciting, and uh, you expect that that team is going to have what they have had traditionally, good, solid, fundamental, hard-nosed, uh, uh, great football uh, program. But there is no there's no guarantee that any P5 team on that schedule is going to be better than any group of five team. All you have to do is look back at past years, and the games that we thought were going to be the most difficult going in sometimes didn't become that, and, and maybe games that you take for granted and think, well, we should win this one. I wonder how many points we'll win by so coaches, and and I know you look more deeply into the nature of things too. We don't we don't pay much attention to who it is. We're gonna we're gonna give the same level of preparation no matter who the opponent is. Our players do get excited about traditional names though, and I think that that has been. I think there is a tangible difference in the way the boys have prepared for this season. Uh, they feel the pressure, they feel the excitement, and it does make a difference. And certainly, some players get more excited about venues and environments than others. But I know that every fan is excited to be, if they can be, a part of a season opener in an NFL building uh, against a, a, a named school with some history with BYU. Uh, September 4th is going to be an outpouring in a lot of ways, I think. 
Oh, it sure is. Yeah, we. I mean, we're we're excited about that one from the moment it was scheduled. Our players love playing these NFL stadium neutral site games. Our fans make sure that they're not neutral sites, especially <laughs> when we've played them out here in the West. So we we really do expect the expect the fans to show up in force and really do a great job of uh, bringing that energy to that stadium. One of the remarkable things about the 2020 season for BYU was having an offense and a defense finishing top 10 in in both scoring and and total on both sides of the uh, the ledger that's that's not done that's a very rare thing to have that kind of balance and some of it maybe is a function of 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 you know the schedule that that was placed yeah. before you but all you can do is is win the games that you've got to win and you did the balance though i think is the thing that stands out to me from 2020 and how good everyone had to be and we'll include special teams there for obvious reasons there was i mean you could argue that there there wasn't a real you know soft underbelly for BYU in 2020 which was impressive yeah, yeah, and really an encouraging moment for our staff as well. We, uh, we, I think uh, at a at a deeper level than anywhere that I've been, and and in talking and and paying attention to what's going on in the business, deeper a deeper level than what uh, what other teams are doing. We're playing a brand of complementary football that transcends offense, defense, and special teams. We're actually calling the game on defense and on special teams and on offense according to how the other phases are doing we and we have that built into our game we for the first time in the time we've been here we met uh, before our first game uh, me Kalani uh, Tuiaki and uh, Grimes and, and A-Rod we all met those are the, the game day decision makers and we all met and talked specifically about if this is going on not just end of game situations but if we are running the ball well, for example, throwing the ball well, if we're not scoring, if we're not moving it, how does that change the way we call defense? How does that change the way we call special teams? And um, that's something that right now our players are aware of and bought into a level that I don't think is happening very much. So how much of that synergy was uh, was new for you uh, that you're talking about? Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, Kalani and I have been talking about it um, for a few years and, and you know, with with my background, not not totally uncommon for a special teams coordinator to be involved in in every situation, offensively and defensively. Just a simple example would be, you know, as the offense is crossing the fifty yard line, at what point are we thinking punt? At what point are we thinking field goal? That that would be a simple way um, to to discuss that. And and special teams coordinators are normally involved in that. But there's deeper there's deeper deeper levels. I mean, another fairly easy example. I think people can understand if if the offense is struggling, what can the defense do? Is it at that point, I mean, one one thing might be to to become more aggressive on defense, but then you know the flip side of that coin is one one touchdown, one one a big play for the opponent's offense could could lose the game when your offense is is struggling to put points on the board. And mm-hmm. so, at that point, are you are you making the other offense execute and uh, and trying to lengthen the game and be be close in the fourth quarter? On the flip side, if if your own offense is really rolling and scoring, what's the correct way to play defense? And it's uh, probably to get the ball back as soon as possible. Maybe risk a big mm-hmm. play on defense. Those kinds of things, Kalani and I have been talking about for several years, and I think we just we just finally reached a point where frustration and, and mediocrity just it, it made us had some really difficult conversations as a leadership part of our staff. Mm-hmm. And we went into last year with a lot of confidence that we were going to do it together. And uh, you know, the boys made it work. That was the key. And, and and the fact that it pays dividends emboldens you in terms of saying let's let's roll it out again, right? In term, I mean, yeah, we we can see it wouldn't. It, I can't point to specific stats, but 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 as far as the leadership portion of our staff go, that, that's not a fair way to say it. All of our staff is leaders, but the the game day decision makers, right, and those who are working closely together to to call that on on game day. Um, we are lockstep right now in how in how we do things, and there are no boundaries. There there is not a boundary between our offense and defensive staff, special teams. We um, we consult each other on personnel decisions. If if defense if our defensive coordinator feels like that our offense needs to do something different in order to win the game, then we're gonna we're gonna walk into the next room. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about that on the headset, and and vice versa. Our our offense is very involved with our defense personnel wise advice, what we're doing, how we're doing it. Let's specialize for a moment before you leave and and talk about uh, your positional groups. Uh, and let's note the fact that you've made a shift from last year to this in terms of a positional responsibility on the coaching side, right? Yes. Um, we, we. I mean, the number one uh, criteria on that was we had a chance to add Kevin Clune when, when uh, Coach Grimes uh, you know, took another opportunity and, and Eric Mateos went with him. There was a chance for Kalani to balance the staff and 
you know, there's, there's it's one thing to say we want five offensive coaches and five defensive coaches and just go about doing that blindly. It's another thing to take the best available coaches and uh, for the head coach or, or other guys to fill in where they can. But this seemed like the right time to add a, another defensive coach and uh, balance up the offense and defense. Kevin Clune was the best option for us out there, and he brings so much experience specifically to the linebacker position. We will be better at linebacker with Kevin Clune than than I was coaching the linebackers. He's, he's more detailed. He has more experience, and uh, he's already done done really great things for us at that position. I am I'm happy to move. I feel comfortable coaching anywhere on defense or offense, and and I really want to be again a lot of special teams coordinators. They consider the whole roster their pers- their position group, and and it, you have to. By the time you put together a PAT, a field goal team, a punt return, punt kickoff, kickoff return, you're using every player on the roster. So it's my job to evaluate and and uh, motivate them all. And and I'm really glad to move to safeties. I've coached many of them before, other positions and special teams, and of course I I, I coached coached the safeties here for three years yep. as well. Yep. So and most of my career has been in the secondary. So very comfortable with that. And uh, top of the depth chart right now, uh, Chaz Ayu and Malik Moore? Chaz, Malik, uh, Hayden Livingston, I'd throw him in there. Those guys all have significant experience. Chaz the most. Chaz has been very productive for us in whatever role we put him in. Uh, we feel like we need him the most at strong safety right now. We've got a lot of veteran linebackers, and so Chaz is the guy that has the most versatility. We're going to use that utility, and we've asked him to move to safety. He's done a good job. And then, uh, yeah, Malik and Hayden just have a lot of athletic ability, a lot of length. They've They've paid their dues, they've had their lumps, and we're really expecting big things out of them. Okay, special teams. Uh, the offense was anti-punt last year, so Ryan Rico didn't have enough reps to be nationally ranked, but clearly he has the leg, or not just the leg, but the ability to put the ball where you want it to be as a punter to be really effective again for you. He did. He does. Such a weapon, and uh, he actually you know, probably doesn't get enough credit. He actually calls quite a bit of our punts at the line of scrimmage, hmm. uh, both his operation time, the way he gets it off according to the defensive look, and and is good at kind of changing up the the count and the rhythm and uh, such a leader for us. And then and then just the the skill level speaks for itself. The way he can boom that football and the control that he has. And then Jake Oldroyd is on pace uh, to become an all timer at BYU in the kicking ranks. Yeah, I've said it a few times already today, but uh, you know, obviously thirteen for thirteen last year. What a tremendous weapon leader for us. You know, bought in in the weight room. Looks like a regular position player out there. So proud of him. But really. What I'm most proud of is is he just came in in, a, in an unbelievably difficult situation and delivered as a true freshman, putting him in for one play, game on the line, and then and then you know people call him Jake the Make or whatever. Uh, like it didn't go that way all the time in his second year, and yet um, he learned from it, became better. Hardship made him you know what he is today, and uh, what a tremendous year he had last year, and I'm sure he'll be able to build on that. Well, we look forward to um, all of your personal position group responsibility, uh, per, uh, personnel performing well, the team in general, um, and uh, the schedule is as enticing as it's ever been. And the fact that there's fans back in buildings is as important as anything. I may, I may not get enough attention today. The fact that we just went through a whole season with you know handfuls of people in buildings that are normally filled, you know, with with hun- you know tens of thousands of people, and somehow we got through a season. It's going to feel. Um, the way it's supposed to feel this fall, and I couldn't, I couldn't be more excited about it. I agree with you 100%. Ed, thanks for the time. Thank you. All right, that is BYU Safety's coach, special teams coordinator, and assistant head coach Ed Lamb. We will talk with the head man and Fessy Sataki coming up next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Stay with us. You are listening to Behind the Mic at BYU Football Media Day. Wide defensive line splits. BYU drops eight. Rush and a sack on a three-man rush. Presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Today's coverage is also brought to you by Zions Bank. For banking that helps you tackle every financial challenge, Zions Bank is for you. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. We began the second hour of the show on the defensive side of the ball. Coach Ed Lamb, now coaching safeties and assistant head coach Ed Lamb. Of course, he does special teams as a coordinator as well. We head to the offensive side of the ball now with, with the, we will now have to call him pass game coordinator, right? Uh, he's wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator, Fessy Sitake. Also, another Sitake joins us. He's the head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Sitake. First of all, Fessy, hello to you. Hello. Thanks for having me here. You bet. So um, pass game coordinator is the title A-Rod used to have, right? Yeah. So A-Rod goes from uh, pass game coordinator to OC, along with quarterbacks, coach keeps that. You stay wide receivers and now go to pass game coordinator. Why do teams need, uh, or why have they chosen to employ, 
uh, pass game coordinators, run game coordinators make that division of labor, and how does it really work on a game day? Uh, there's just there's so much that um, goes into an offensive game plan, and to be able to to oversee um, you know everything at once can be can be a difficult challenge. Everything still stops at A-Rod. He still makes all the final executive decisions there, but um, he's given me the opportunity to to get to put together a, a game plan and, uh, that's around our passing game and, and where we can expose defenses and attack people, what schemes are good. And, and it's nice because a lot of times we're just right there on the exact same page. Um, and he's been, since I've been here, the title's there, but nothing's really changed. He's always been so inclusive and, and open to my ideas and thoughts, and we always bounce ideas off of each other. And so I'm um, just really, really grateful to keep keep that going and work side-by-side side with him and however we can to help the pass game. Yes, that's Fessy Sitake. And, of course, he always gets introduced as the other Sitake, Kalani Sitake, head coach of the Cougars. Hey, Kalani. <laughs> so great. <laughs> How's your day going? Well, I'm definitely not the best-looking Sitake. That, that's a Fessy got me on that, and then I think we have uh, – some sisters and, and brothers that would argue for their, their sake, too. But, yeah, I'm doing great. I, I'm loving Media Day. And, and We didn't uh, have it last year. I know. And I, I'm really excited to be on with you. You're my boy. And then uh, <laughs> to, 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 to be you know have my brother here with me, that's, a, that's even better. So uh, this, this will be good, a cool show. You know, we didn't have a Media Day because we didn't know if there was going to be a season at this point last year. Um, we were kind of in that twilight zone, and, and uh, yet— you know, you ended up with an eleven-one season. When all, when you look back on twenty twenty from from in June or where we are now, to not knowing if you're playing games, to to then ending up the way you did with guys going to the NFL and everyone looking at BYU, how do you really kind of conceptualize twenty twenty? What is it? Uh, how do you look back on it? Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely different, and but um, a lot of great positives, even in in the midst of, of a pandemic. Um, saw some really cool things and. And taught us a, a lot of lessons, and one of them is, is not to take things for granted and and uh, appreciate what's what's been done for us. And so as a football program, I saw our players uh, lead that way and live their life that way. And then, uh, you know, as a coaching staff, just appreciation for where we're at and, and uh, the administration that we have. And, the, and definitely um, from a coaching per- perspective, I probably speak for Fessy and myself and, and the other coaches in this aspect, is that um, just having the fan base – amazing and, and you know how I feel about the, about them I, I think I think uh, well Fessy and I are fans first to be um, before we were even players or coaches and so uh, we can connect with them know their frustrations their expectations but more than anything just uh, really appreciate their support um, and we we felt it and I think you you saw me mention the 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 fans lining up at games that they're not even going to attend hmm. but lining up to see the buses go by and in the thousands, and, and um, cheering so hard. Imagine if you're a player on that bus, getting ready to go play that game. Imagine how that's got to feel. And imagine going into the season against Arizona and Las Vegas, knowing the fans that have bought so many tickets already, <laughs> the excitement that's already taken place in our, on our team. I, I can tell you it's, it's a really positive thing. I'm looking forward to it. You're not going to necessarily see it because it's a Friday night night before the game, but there's going to be a fan fest in Vegas on the night before the game, and I can already – get a sense of the vibe that's going to be out there that night with BYU fans in the city for that game the next night. You know people are going to show up for that and then show out at Allegiant Stadium. I'm, I'm already looking forward to it so much. Yeah, it will be a blast. You, everything, um, all these firsts that have, <laughs> have happening this year, we just finished a camp, camp, a high school camp, kids camp, where you could just feel the relief, the excitement to be back out. You go to jazz games where it's full capacity and you feel the energy, like all these things that are starting to surface, this normalcy that's coming back. We can't wait, and and we can feel the building up, and can't wait, can't wait to see all the fans from both sides screaming and yelling, and, and uh, at the game. I'll ask you both this: What are you going to miss least from what we had to do in 2020? What was the biggest hardship? Do you think on, on, on a logistical week to week basis that man, I'm so glad we don't have to do this anymore. What might it be? Spitting into a tube. <laughs> uh, I got really dehydrated. I had to double my water intake, and then I got a lot of rashes around my nose, mouth, chin area. Um, from those masks. mask life, yeah. yeah. So yeah. don't want to be insensitive to. The, I mean, we had to do them their protocols. And, I get it. And I'm glad we did, but I understand I'm definitely all not that. Good, but I'm not going to miss them. Kalani, uh, adding adding another worry to my wardrobe like a mask. <laughs> First, finding one that could fit my face, 
and not make me look. I, I never thought that I would have that problem. I thought that everybody would have, because when you had the mask, it was like this is pretty simple. Everybody wears the same one, but now you come out with this different styles of masks, the sizes, and and, and so that was that just added to more <laughs> more anxiety and stress that I didn't need in my life. And so I'm really thinking. I mean, I had a different mask for church. You know, that's that's how it was, and and and, and so this just. I'm glad that I uh, hope that never comes back, but I understand it, like Fessy said, and just really, really thankful to move on to 2021. Okay. 2021 is your sixth season as head coach. You just finished five. Uh, the cliche is five-year plan. Did you formally or informally have a five-year plan in any way? And if you did, or even didn't, now that you've gone through five years, is year six about where you either thought or hoped or expected BYU could be? In, in a lot, it depends what you're what you're uh, talking about. If it's talking about record, um, that's another thing. But if you're talking about the the momentum of the program, more about that. Yeah, I mean, first of all, Greg, listen, I got to play under Lavelle Edwards, who's the the, the legend, and then I got to gr- be a graduate assistant for uh, Gary Croton and and see some of the things that he did, and then I, I saw. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall and, and the things that the impact he had in this program. So it was, it was an honor for me to be here and to build on what those men did as head coaches in this program. And it's an honor for me to be the head coach now. And so uh, I could tell you that there's definitely expectations and plans that I have for the program. But um, more than anything, the things that that have impressed me the most is the fact that uh, I'm a better person <laughs> because of of this place and because of my my role as a head coach and the interactions with the players that, uh, that that we love so much and the people I get to work with and then the fans that I get to interact with. I, I couldn't be more thankful for the opportunity that I have to be the head coach. And I'm, I'm like I said before, I'm trying my best and, and hoping to, to make all the fans happy. How much of 2020 do you think can be a table setter for 2021, as good as last year was? Well, I think all of those years kind of um, add to it, you know, and, and whether they're the, the adversity um, or, or the positive things, I think for us it, it's it's kind of a, a catch twenty two where you want to have uh, the remnants of the positive things keep building, mm. which I think you have you have the standard of, of of play that our our team is used to now, and, and you kind of see the how it's worked out. But then you also need to find ways to to take the next step and find ways to get better. You can't rest on what you've done in the past. And so I like the mindset of this team and the mindset of our coaching staff and our and our support staff of moving on and innovating, trying to find ways to be creative and get better. And uh, I think once we if we can continue to do that, we'll be we'll be just fine. Whether it's strategy on the field or strategy off the field in life. Fessy, clearly the quarterback decision is an important one. It'll get made for you know uh, good reasons and 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 good criteria, regardless of who the guy is. Do you think? that person could be stepping into any better situation than the one he is right now in terms of uh, runners and pass catchers. And even though there was stuff uh, people lost on the O-line, there are a lot of good snaps back. I mean, I I really do feel that whoever the guy is um, gets a lot of help. And and that's a good situation to be in if you are breaking in a a new guy at that spot. Yeah, it is. But they also have to combat a lot of the noise out there that there's this automatic comparison to Zach, right? You're filling Zach's shoes. You you hear that a lot. But the weapons that that this next quarterback is going to have is, you know, he's going to have a great surrounding cast around him. All these guys who are battling for the competition, though, have one thing in common, and they are competitors, and they're they're unbelievable competitors, great young men. Um, and so I think they feel they wear it. They they wear it right now. Whoever it is, um, they're they're confident in each other. There's no ego. Aaron's done a great job managing that room, um, and, but there's not a ton to manage because these guys are they're all. They're wired the right way. I mean, it's been a healthy competition. It's going to be stretched out to the very end. I'm excited to watch it all come to fruition. How about your room? Same thing. The nice thing is I I can play four guys. I I don't have to play one, but I have the same challenge where you got so many different skill sets. Each guy brings something different to the room, to the offense. Um, You know, I would like to to nail nail it down to to three or four guys to take the majority of those reps, Um, but I have a lot to pick from. I mean, there's 10, 11 guys in that room that you can all justify being – being a starter on a week-to-week basis and so a lot's going to be determined uh through this fall camp you know how healthy they stay how how they execute how well they know the playbook how consistent they are a lot of different things that will, will factor into it so super excited to see that room play out as well it was already a good group um how personally um invigorated were you with a couple of Pac-12 transfers in the, in the Nakua's very much so I was so excited for them those guys are they're, they're BYU. You know, you can you can hit their house with a golf ball from here. Probably all their brothers came here. Um, 
there, there are type of guys. What I've been more impressed with, though, is how open the rest of the receivers have been to them, how inclusive they've been. To competition, it's we're talking competition, about. And it's competition, but it's proof that it's a re- really, it's, it's the right type of competition. It's healthy, and um, it, that's, that's the culture Kalani set. It's, it's love and learning, and there's no clearer way to see that, that love is when you have two guys come in who have that type of experience and that type of name, and to see everyone embrace them, know it doesn't change the way they work, it doesn't change the way they treat people. They just know, great, more competition, cream's going to rise to the top, and um, but it's not going to change who we are. And that's it's been really cool to see some of the signs of that, that culture that's been taking place. And ultimately, Kalani, those two guys, just to name two guys, um, while it's competition, it's also competition that makes your team better. I mean, ultimately, that's what you guys are all in for this thing. Exactly, and, and the pressure of it all. I mean, th- there's a tons of pressure that goes into this quarterback competition, but every competition, it, it, that, that happens. And uh, you get the best out of everybody. But the, the thing that I'm excited about with the depth and, and quality of talent that we have on our team, specifically in, in the receiver group, um, is that uh, everyone's going to relish the role that they have. And, and these roles are something that could be changed throughout time. I mean, Zach showed everybody what you can do in a year's time go from relatively not talked about to being the second pick and everyone's talking about you in, 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 a, in a big market like New York. Well, imagine what can be done here at BYU in that same matter of time in, in the receiving room in, in, in the, uh, you know, in, on the offense, defense, and special teams. A lot can be accomplished, and they have something that they've worked with, someone that they've worked with, and kind of a, a standard to follow to get there. They know what the sacrifice and hard work that it's going to take to get there, and I can tell you right now, I'm seeing a lot of great things from all those players, and when they get there and they're embracing each other and loving each other, they're going to relish the role that they have, whatever it may be, and realize how important their role may be to the to this team being successful. What's the kind of vibe you guys get from uh, either other coaches, other programs about what 2020 did for BYU, which is already a visible program, but it felt like it kind of it, it, it took a step up a little bit. And can there be some carryover for seasons to come that will really benefit this program long term? Do you think we saw a lot of great things in in 2020? I mean, with with the pandemic happening, that being not one of the great things, but a lot of great things from BYU and Cougar Nation altogether. Um, you, you saw we talked about it in, in the state of the of, of, of football of the program um, uh, with with Tom Homo, but you saw um, fans step up and come to help and support, whether it's with money or showing up at, at games that they can't attend or whatever it may be. We knew um, after during the pandemic that we had something special in this fan base and something special with this university and that, that it's, that it's a, it's a church, um, you know, run, uh, institution and that there's something we can be really proud of with this institution and especially for us as, as a football program. Fessy, any thoughts on that, Ray? Yeah, it's just, it's something we're always going to, to draw back on, uh, to, to learn those life lessons. The more time goes by, the more some of these lessons will settle. There's still lessons. I think that we all, us players, coaches, haven't really quite grasped onto yet because we're so fresh off of it. My answer six months ago is different than it is now. Like I've, I was just grateful to have a season last year and you know appreciative to everyone, and that stays the same. But now I've started to be more drawn towards the like the resiliency of the players to be able to run this program by themselves, like to all this off season when they didn't know if we were gonna have a season, we didn't have a schedule. To be able to see these players take ownership and you know run away with it. That's that a lot of our success was was because of that. And and same thing, the culture that's been in place, these guys learned so many valuable life lessons through such a hard time. And I think these are things that they're just gonna look back on and be able to 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 feel that gratification, talk to their kids about it, and we're all gonna be better because of it. So just just really fortunate we're able to see everything through. Last X's and O's offensive thing for you. Uh, as good as BYU was in finishing drives, chunk plays, red zone, all real major improvements last year, what's something you want to take and, and get better on in 2021 you think it was maybe left on the table a bit in 2020, if there was anything? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we had a lot. I, I just think um, we got to keep that same production, just get better in every area. I mean, some of those things where we're, we're number one at, I mean, you can, you can still have improvement. But the most important thing for us always is going to be to protect the football. That's going to be the number one deal. And we did a great job from two years ago to last year in, in minimizing those, but we still had some. And we, we got to keep making that a priority 
all the rest is going to take care of itself. The experience we have on our team, the aggression that's going to come from, you know, A-Rod and the rest of the coaches and the way our defensive plays and special teams, all that's going to take care of itself. we got to protect that football. Last thing for you, Kalani, then is something Ed said as he wrapped up with me, which he felt that last year was a year in which offense, defense, special teams played I uh, had an ultimate display of complimentary football where every phase not only just played well, but played off the other and reacted to the other, and he felt there was a real synergy there. Would you agree with that? I do, and, and, and I, I think that it comes down to um, the small and simple things for our program, and, and I, I don't think you need to overthink it um, in terms of what, what it takes in our culture, what it takes to have success. It comes down to the simple things, whether it's taking care of the football or loving each other, or learning to get better, and, and, and fighting through adversity. That, that stuff, is, is, it comes down to, and this is, is what we learn in the gospel, you know, and what we learn from, from being disciples of Christ is that you can actually apply that to the game of football, and it feels really comforting as a head coach to have those principles allow us to be a better football team and allow us to have opportunities to serve and love each other. Kalani, thank you so much. And Fessy, good to see you again. Look forward to 2021. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate All right, that's Kalani Sitake and Fessy Sitake. We'll be talking with a couple of running backs and a wide receiver as we continue. This is BYU Football's Media Day. Behind the mic with Greg Grubel. Back with more after this. This is Behind the Mic at BYU Football Media Day. It's a reverse. Katoa to Pau'u. A flea flicker downfield. Rex is open. Makes the catch. and walks in for six. Touchdown, BYU. Presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Exclusive coverage is also brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America. Guiding members forward for more than 80 years. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, the Cougars, uh, you may have heard, uh, breaking in a new starting quarterback in 2021, but whoever the new guy is, he'll be working with a deep and exciting group of rushers and pass catchers. Three of them join us on this BYU Football Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel, running backs Lopini Katoa and Tyler Algier, and wide receiver Neil Pau. Gentlemen, thank you for coming in. Thanks for having us. Thanks good for having good us. to have you all in. So to so visually here, I've got Peeney on my left, I've got Tyler in the middle, and I've got Neil on my right. So we're going to go left to right on this one. Um, does it, and this is kind of a silly question, does it really matter to you who the guy is? Because we know the guy's going to be, whoever it is, be a good quarterback. Do you guys really, I mean, what's your thought on that? Yeah, I think, I think you hit it on the head. Like, I think we are in good hands, whoever takes the job, because you know who they had to beat out to get there. So yeah. I think we're going to be in good hands. Okay. Tyler? Yeah, honestly, uh, they've all – all three of them have been working pretty hard, pretty hard in the, pretty hard in the off season. So, honestly, I think we, we're all in good hands. You know, either either it's uh, – either either one of them who end up starting. So Neil? Uh, I think we'll see. Um, I'm more of a guy that I want to be able to trust in going into game one, despite all the talent and stuff, um, knowing that I can trust them when we go into battle, when we go into uh, to Vegas. Knowing what you know about uh, about A Rod um, and how he's going to make this decision, is there a lot of trust in that? The fact that uh, that he's going to make the right call for a lot of good reasons. Yeah, and I think it'll be a collective uh, choice, probably between him and Kalani, uh, really. But uh, those two have done a great job, obviously last year and years of building up to last year. So I think we'll be okay. okay just had we just had Fessy on the show, and we talked about the wide receiver room a little bit, mm-hmm. and how, how it was a big room. It got bigger with a couple of new guys coming in, but how he said how the guys who were already here kind of embraced it, right? We're talking yeah. about the, uh, the, uh, the, the Nakua's coming in. How do you view the increase in competition and the increase in competition level with the, with the additions? I think competition brings the best out of people. You get to see uh, who will stand up to the challenge and who will fold to it. Uh, who has prepared the most and who hasn't prepared as much. Um, and through play, obviously, with fall camp coming up, we'll be able to see who's done that in the off season and who's taking workouts really serious and who's also understood the playbook as well because it's, so, against so much talent you can do uh, and how far it can take you. But what you know mentally, it'll be, it'll be all right. You're a guy with reps and yards and touchdowns and a history here with BYU. How much do you look to yourself as someone that uh, has to stand up and, and take a leadership role in the wide receiver room this year? I think me and Gunnar have done a great job. Uh, whether we vocally say it or we'll both text, whatever it is, we know that we um, have some responsibility to do with the guys, um, you know, coming in and the Cool Brothers, uh, both guys that haven't also played. Uh, they might know the playbook and stuff, but experience um, they lack. So 
But I think with me and Gunner at the helm, I think we'll be all right. What do you think they've already learned about uh, about the BYU wide receiver room and the BYU way of play, the Nakua's that is? Um, I think it's just all about uh, love and learning. Um, that's Kalani's motto, and that's what we preach in the receiver room with Fessy and with me and Gunner. Uh, just continue to learn, continue to love, and uh, that will overdo whatever, you know comes into our way okay tyler the uh, running backs room um besides yourself and peeny who are we talking about this year you know, uh falau or hinkley hinkley has a lot of people so know. hinkley rapati is known as falau falau yeah okay yeah and then we got uh sione sione final coming out bo robinson we got uh miles davis miles davis then we got a couple a couple new guys coming in and mace mason fakaluna as well okay so, you know we got, a, we got a lot of guys that we can trust in the room Okay, uh, Pini, so I, I think it was. Um, I think someone said today that you might uh, look at better than ever uh, right now. How's the off season been for you? Uh, it's been good. Um, thanks to whoever said that, I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been a good off season. We've been working hard. Um, the strength staff has has been uh, investing their time and seeing what's best for us. And I feel I feel good. I feel the results. If if there was I, among the plays I saw that I keep saying hi, seeing highlights of BYU from last year, one of the plays I see more than ever is the uh, is the catch in the Boca Raton Bowl that you made down the sideline. You've probably seen that a lot too. Uh, it's gotten a lot of play. Uh, everyone throws everyone everyone shows that play saying you know what a great throw. You know Zach Wilson making a great throw, amazing catch. Of throw. Uh, when that ball was in the air, you think do you think you had a shot at it? Uh, <laughs> shoot, I thought it, like, I was running it down, and I saw, like, it go over my head, and I said, the only way I'm catching this is if I dive, so I just laid out, um, and got lucky, I guess, like, <laughs> I just dove, really, and it hit my hands, and that's so why I just closed the ball. Could you guys have made the same catch, Tyler? Honestly, no. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we'll see what happens in the game, <laughs> Neil? Yeah, I think I could have. Yeah. Of course, you got a few more inches on us. You might not have yeah. had like layout quite as <laughs> exactly, far, but yeah. still. Okay. Uh, well, uh, how much of a sense of pride did you guys have when draft day came and went and BYU's logo kept popping up there and you saw five guys by the end of the year? Tyler, uh, Lopini? Uh, it's exciting, especially because, you know, you, they're our boys. Like, they're, we have relationships with them and you know what they've gone through to get there. And, you know, it's just motivating for us as a team and, to, to be where they're at. Tyler, how exciting was it for you to see your guys go? It was literally big time. It was literally big time watching them one by one and then literally just getting their name caught out because, you know, obviously it's everyone's dream to make it to the NFL. You know, they did that. So I believe that they're going to do great things in their in their future. Neil? I thought it was huge as well. Um, seeing BYU called, not just uh, as, you know, um, what is it, free agents or whatever. Yeah. Um, but being able to see their names actually pop up and guys call them, it, it was super dope just to also hear from them, their experience as well. Okay, the 2021 schedule has all these P5s where last year, for obvious reasons, there weren't. Um, so it's a step up in competition that way, but also kind of the tables have been set with 11-1 and one and so many guys coming back. So, Tyler, what do you think is possible in 2021 with the schedule you guys have? Honestly, I think of it as a game-by-game. We'll worry about every game. I'm not going to freaking say, predict we're going to go 11 or 1 or whatever. But, you know, obviously I, I think it's a game by game. And, you know, obviously we got to worry about each game, each game one by one. And then, but I think we have a lot of competition, especially that first game in Vegas, you know. I think that really set off what we've been doing in the off season. I think we've been working hard as a team and as a unit. So I think we're going to do, do pretty good there. So, Neil, when you see logos on the schedule, what do they do for you? Uh, it just gets me excited because the first thing I think about is opportunity, opportunity to be shown uh, to the eye of, of whoever, whoever's watching, uh, that you got the talent to play against uh, top teams. Um, and, yeah, that's what happens with me. Peeny? Uh, I, I think it's the uh, same as what these guys said. You know, they covered it pretty well. I just I think it's just for us, for me personally, I think it doesn't matter who we're playing, like um, – as long as we're playing at our best, I think we're going to be a dangerous offense. Okay, three offensive linemen from last year ended up in NFL camps, uh, one drafted and, and two free agents. So people go, oh, no, you lose three-fifths of an offensive line to the pros. That's, you know, how do you replace that? But you guys have a pretty good sense of who you do replace it with. How confident are you in the O-line and the guys who are coming back to replace some pretty good players leaving? Beanie, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm I'm very confident in them. I, I've I've said before that I think that the culture of the O line is what makes them successful. Obviously, there's great abilities and athletes. Um, that how, how, how do you describe their culture? They they're like the O line are always together, always doing things together. They're tight knit. 
um, because there are five guys that have to really move as one on the field. And so their position's unique, but they, they're they always tight. They're always together. They have their own, like, little, uh, I don't know how to describe it, like, their own little language. Like, they only <laughs> think their jokes are funny type of thing. <laughs> only they laugh at their jokes. But it's good for them. Like, they do everything together, and they're tight-knit, so it helps them be successful. Okay, Tyler, uh, on to the O-line. Uh, who are you most, maybe not most excited about, but who do you think is going to open some eyes that maybe even got some reps last year, but maybe not thought of as, like, a, a major headliner on that line? Honestly, I'll give it to Connor Pay. He actually stepped up, like especially that last game, the bowl game. Yeah, the bowl game. No, no, exactly. James. Then Joe goes out, right? Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. I think he really, he really honed in on really not saying, "Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play," but really just kept honing down the playbook, kept being getting his mind right that he may still play, and then him doing it as good as he did in that okay. bowl game. Neil, anyone, anything stand out to you on the O line this year? Uh, I think it just provides opportunity for Blake uh, Freeland, uh, Harris Lachance, but I agree with Tyler. I think uh, Connor Pay will open some eyes this year. Okay, we just went through a season. Uh, well, you know, we get to Navy and there's like no one in the stands. And a lot of places we went, there was no one in the stands. Houston had some people, different places, different sizes, but nothing felt like a real football game like you guys are used to playing. I mean, knowing that you're going to be in the Raiders Stadium. Uh, against the Pac-12 program with maybe fifty, sixty thousand 60,000 BYU fans alone down there. I mean, you got to, you know, chill out and stay focused on this thing. But, man, alive. How cool is it going to be back in buildings again that are full and feel loud and live? Beanie? I, I just feel blessed. I think it's every kid's dream growing up to play in a venue like that. And so I'm just really thankful. Tyler? Yeah, honestly, like Beanie said, it's just being being grateful and that we could be in this position. You know, who would have who thought that we would have – Still going on to a season, especially with that last season that we had, you know, that COVID year. Who would have thought that all of that would have, how do you say, all of the COVID is literally gone. It's not gone, but it's past us. Right. And we're going on to the season that we are this year. Neil? I think it's huge. I think that's why people play sports. Uh, You know, NBA athletes, NFL athletes have talked about, you know, certain fans being in the stadiums and the energy that it provides, the boos, the ahs. Uh, the celebrations and all that, so it's exciting, and it'll be exciting to see all the Cougar fans and fans wherever we go. Uh, the amount of people that'll be there. Well, you guys all made it through. Somehow we got through that 2020 year. I mean, it was a chore. It was a grind. No one, I mean, no one knows the stuff you guys had to go through day to day to make it happen. And to do what you did, win 11 games was awesome. But I'm so glad we get to feel like it's normal again. And uh, can't come here soon enough, guys. Thanks to all three of you for coming in today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. All right, that's Lopini Katoa, Tyler Algier, and Neil Powell. We'll go O line next to close out the show. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel at BYU Football Media Day 2021. You are listening to Behind the Mic at BYU Football Media Day. Presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Today's coverage is also brought to you by Smith's Food and Drug. Smith's now has grocery pickup and online delivery to save you time. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Well, last year's BYU offensive line put three players in NFL camps this summer. Uh, Brady Christensen drafted Tristan Hodge. Chandon Herring picked up his free agents. Uh, So there are holes to fill with guys who will be opening holes for BYU backs and keeping new starting quarterback protected. Let's head to the offensive line in our final segment of this BYU Football Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel as we bring in center James Empey and guard Clark Parrington. Hello, Clark. How are James? you? James. How's it going? Thanks for having us. Good to have you both on with us. Uh, I noted off the air a moment ago that you guys have uh, luscious mustaches <laughs> m- mustaches going. And, and those who can grow them, Clark, you say will grow them on the O-line. Exactly. That's how it works. <laughs> James, uh, I was with uh, one of your sisters the other day. Soccer camps are going right now. Yeah. And you, let's kind of remind listeners that the MP family has a long lineage, and you've got a couple uh, still in the program, if you will, right? Yep. Yeah, i got two sisters on the team right now, and... Two sisters go. on the team right now, and they're uh, they're doing pretty good. And, and one just got married. Time. Yeah, one just got married. Did you go to that? I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was able to make it. So they got married at a good time. If it was during the fall, then it'd be and tough. then all bets are off. <laughs> all bets are off. Who so knows? Savannah got married. Haven's still single. That's right. Yeah. Is that right? Okay, good. All right. So um, I mentioned guys who leave, and everyone just kind of panics a little bit and goes, "Oh, that's a lot of talent gone." Uh, but you guys know better than most as to who's really in that room. How excited are you to maybe? Uh, I guess the phrase "prove the doubters" gets kind of tiresome, but um, show people that this is an old line that's kind of built to last, Clark. You know, I think um, you know it's a great opportunity for for guys to step up, and and I think we have have the guys that that um, you know will step up and will perform. 
you know, to to the expectation. You know, there's a lot of guys in the room that that have played in in games and have game time and experience, and and so that that's that works to our advantages, right? With with all these guys leaving, and so you know, of course, it's it's you know, it all depends on how we perform each day in and out, and and how much work we're willing to put in, you know. But I know that that each of these guys in the room you know, are willing to put in that work and and improve and, and become better each day. So, James, your thoughts on depth right now? Yeah, I just I'd probably disagree with Clark. I think it's it's a great opportunity for a lot of guys to step up. Um, throughout the year, last year we had a lot of guys that stepped up, so we have some guys with some game time experience. Um, and so it'll be cool to see how the you know the whole picture comes together. I think you know there's lots of guys that that play really hard and that are working really hard right now um, to hopefully get a chance to to be there. So I know during fall camp there'll be you know some competition and opportunities for guys to to show up and and grab a spot you know what I mean but I'm I'm excited with the guys that we have in the room right now and I feel like we have you know all the pieces to the puzzle and we just got to put it together. James you're one of the rare guys that comes in and starts as a freshman and then starts every game as your freshman season they started every game of your sophomore season your streak got to 28 straight starts before <laughs> you had to miss a game last year then you ended up missing a few how tough was it to not be in the lineup after starting every game of your BYU career through two seasons and change? Yeah, it was it was tough and I you know, I never really thought of it in terms of, you know, a streak of how many games I could play in a row, but um in in terms of just not being able to be out there, it was it was tough and I felt like there's a lot of things that I could learn cuz I was a guy who was relatively, you know, injury free for yeah. forever. I I never missed a practice or a game and so um being able to learn a little bit more about that and learn about what a lot of guys go through when they go through injuries and um, I, I felt like it helped me be a better teammate and and helped me, uh, you know, step into that role again um, as a better player when I when I got healthy again. So um, it was a good learning experience, and obviously you want everybody to stay healthy always. But I was glad that you know I could learn those things as I went through it. You had to miss the bowl game, right? And this is kind of this has come up a couple of times today. Uh, not only do you miss the bowl game, but then the guy who replaces you, Joe Tukawafu, has to go out, and then Connor Pay comes in and plays a lot or most of the game. And he's come up as an example of a guy that don't need to worry about the O-line, because that's what Connor Pay pulled off in the bowl game. Does that have, hold some water for you, Clark? I think so. You know, that just shows kind of kind of the experience and depth that, that we have going into this year, you know, and kind of the confidence we can put into to those younger guys that haven't had the chance to start, you know, that that they will come in, they'll perform to, to the way that we need them to perform, and and we'll be able to, you know, win some games. So I have 45 seconds left with you. Maybe we'll get 10 seconds from each of you on a question no one, I'm sure no one asks you at all about, and that's oh, who are you going to be snapping to or blocking for uh, starting quarterback? Confident in whoever the guy is is going to take you good places? You know, I think I think all all of the options that that we have behind us, you know, they're great options, and so I'm just excited to block for for whoever it, it is out there behind us. So, James, yeah, I'd agree. I, I have confidence in you know any one of those guys that plays, and um, we'll be we'll be doing the same thing whether it's one guy or the other. If it's me at quarterback, so <laughs> <laughs> oh, we hope that doesn't happen. We, I we, do too. We, we, we trust you in a I lot of ways, too. but. Guys, thanks for coming in. Appreciate you being part of the show. Of course. Thank you. All right, that's Clark Barrington and James Zampi. That's going to do it for our BYU Football Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, the season opener for the Cougars, September 4th against Arizona in Las Vegas. Thanks for tuning in. So long, and go Cougs. You have been listening to exclusive coverage of BYU Football Media Day 2021 on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Football Media Day is a production of BYU Athletics in association with BYU Broadcasting. BYU Football Media Day is an exclusive presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network.